So today, we follow on the kind of theme that we've got for January, which is to identify, just before Nick comes, some of the major things that we need to know about. This uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians follows on from our studies in Ephesians earlier last year, and this is the last text that we're going to be uh, following into from, uh, from Ephesians, because indeed it's the last passage to speak of in, in the book. You know, I, I, I want to say that this is a very, fairly difficult text to understand, in a way. The purpose of the letter to the Ephesians has, has been what? It's been talking about God's new society. The whole new community that's changed because of what Jesus has done and it's gone through a whole range of different examples about, uh, about the things that we... Uh, that we have suddenly changed to, the things that we have become to, to, to love, different people, different experiences, different uh, from, the, from the world in which we live, and it's now changed forever. And it's exciting, and it's wonderful, and it's great. And we know that there are those in the world who belong to Jesus Christ, and we know that there are those in the world who've chosen not to believe in Jesus Christ, and that division is unfortunate, but there it is, and we live in that world. And Paul says to the Ephesians, uh, actually, that's not true. 6.10 to 18 is a difficult conclusion. We can ask ourselves, if we're God's new society, who can be against us? Generally, people who are, who are um, decided not to follow Jesus are not against us. But he begins in verse 10 by saying, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And the question is, why in the world would you want to be strong like that? And how can you do it? And he says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Suddenly he introduces something which is very, very different to what he's been talking about in the rest of the book. In the rest of the book, it's between God and us, Jesus and us, the things he's done for us. But he says to us now, there's another entity in the community. That entity is a fallen angel who, when he fell after its competition with God himself, took a third of the angels and he, and he was sent to the earth as the ruler of this age. And he now is working against the people of God. So that we now discover that the kingdom of God, which is the new society, is one part of the thing that exists on earth. The other part of the thing that exists on earth is a group of angels that have fallen, that are hateful, deceitful, nasty pieces of work, whose determination is to destroy the church of the living God. And, and, and so we say to ourselves, well, what are we going to do? Paul says, what I want you to do is to understand this. The struggle that you face in our world is not against flesh and blood. It's not, a bit, not against the human beings that are around the place, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, modern interpreters want to say to us, that stuff about uh, rulers against the authorities, against the is talking about the organisations of the earth. 
It's not talking about heavenly beings. It's talking about uh, governments. It's talking about uh, uh, it's talking about uh, the, the the mafia. It's talking about uh, those who commit evil acts, those who go around stabbing people. It's talking about that. To some extent, I agree with that. But the reality, it seems to me, is this. <coughs> what lies behind them in causing them to do what they do is an entity of spiritual dimensions called the devil, Satan. And he is the one who motivates those organisations to do what they do. So ultimately, theological argument whether it means organisations on the face of the earth is irrelevant because the source of what happens is a spiritual organisation run by the evil one and under his authority seek to destroy everything that is to do with everything that God has created in the new society. So, so, so what are we going to learn? Well, Paul says, what I want you to understand is that, again, you're not on your own. Again, you don't have to find the answer for yourself. Again, God will provide for you what you need to stand against the evil one and his cohort who will come against you from time to time. They're not allowed to stick around you all the time, but they will come against you. Satanic uh, possession is very, very rare. They will come and they will attack you. On various, you, can, you can say, get lost to them, as Jesus did in the desert when he's there for 40 days, and they must leave. If you name Jesus Christ and speak in his name, you must, they must leave. So he says, well, you know, put on the armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the attack from the evil one comes, you may be able to stay, stand your ground, take all that the evil one offers, and having done everything to stand, to still stand as the people of Jesus, to still stand as the new community. So let's think a moment what this armour is, which is what, of course, he spells out for the rest of the text. Stand firm in, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The picture here, of course, is the Roman centurion who uh, Paul is attached to. He's now in jail in Ephesians, writing his letter from jail, and he's attached by a, a manacle to the arm of a soldier. And if he wants to, not, not that the soldier is going to wear full battle armour when in prison, but the fact is that he can see the basis of the armour. And the basis of the armour is, um, as, you, as you full well know, breastplate of right, breastplate, uh, a belt to keep it all on, shoes that, that uh, and the belt and the, the, the um, breastplate hold comes down to about here and quite often goes around the back. Sometimes people have made a bit of the fact that the, the back is not covered. I don't think that's true. The belt, the, the salvation uh, uh, breastplate goes right around in most, in most uniforms. But the one that buckles it on is, is the belt. That's the one that holds the mind. You break the belt, the rest of the stuff is a temptation to, temptation to fall off. And so uh, what, what Paul does is to identify the characteristics of the armour and see where they apply to what's happening in your life and mine. So around the waist, the thing that holds the full protection on is truth. The thing that holds the uniform in place makes sure that it can't be rushed off in battle, uh, that holds the protection in place for you is the belt of truth. In other words, when you live a disciple, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, 
then truth becomes the main weapon of your life. Those who lie have to lie more and more to cover their lies. Those who tell the truth never forget what they've said because it's the truth. Live our lives, live your life with the belt of truth absolutely in place, holding the rest of the uniform in place. Now, this is God's provision. He said to you, here it is. So you and I take hold of it and put it on. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. When uh, we're under attack or the Roman soldier is under attack from uh, swords or spears or, or uh, arrows, the breastplate just deflected things off. They were made of steel or they made of some kind of metal and so anything that hit them just deflected off. And why would they choose righteousness as the approach that allows us to stand and have the wickedness deflect off us? The thing that holds us in place is we are right with God. The thing that holds us in place is that we are right with God. Nobody can fire an accusation at us. Well, they can fire them, but they will bounce off. The accusations that come from other people, from different circumstances, from the mafia, from all the other organisations that hang to the left and to the right, they can fire their arrows, but they will bounce off because we're right with God. When we decide to not be right with God, then we open ourselves to the effect of satanic beings coming to us and leading us away. Temptation is cool, isn't it? Guys, uh, when you see photographs that uh, are a bit in inciting, uh, you can either choose to be right before God or be led away. The more you're led away, the more open you are to satanic influence, the more open you are to satanic influence, the further you get led away. So the breastplate that we have around us is being right with God. You're right with God? That's why I think Lectio 365 in the morning does what these tables have done for us today. They tell me where I belong. They tell me my, where, I'm, where is home for me and they make sure that I get it right with God and then I'm able to stay, say when the evil one fires at me, I'm right with God, they will bounce off. And then your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You are not locked down in mud. You can move freely because you know that you have been truthful, you have been honest, that you have been clear in the way you live. Nothing can bind you down. Uh, there's a fellow having uh, in, the, in the courts in where it is in Canberra, his whole life being exploded before the universe and the girl he's supposed to do it with. His feet are in clay. He's got nowhere to go. He's going to stay there and he has to cop it. We have nothing to hold us back. We go with feet that are in peace. We have no memory of deceitful behaviour. We have no memory of purposeful 
attacks on other people. We have no deceit as a part of our life. We simply stand with feet that are ready to move as the evil one attacks us. Uh, and you can do the comparisons between the Roman armour and all that sort of stuff and what the feet look like, the toes are out to give stability and all that sort of stuff. But the basis of it is that you need and I need to, to simply be fitted with the truth of the gospel of peace. We're peaceful people. We're not on about war. When we turn ourselves against the evil one, then we need to be prepared to say, I will stand. I will take what you have to offer because I have the master's armour on. <clears throat> In addition to this, take up the shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith, the shield, uh, was particularly made to be a very hard back, but it was covered with... Uh, first of all a, a kind of a toweling and then covered with um, skin of an animal so that when you uh, if you had the darts fired at you they would go out they wouldn't be able to catch fire with anything because the way the the way the shield was made it would it would simply let the dart burn out there's a there's a dart there, there, there's a a board that we can hold out in front of us the shield of faith which extinguishes all the flaming aims of the evil one against us. The arrows that we receive don't stand because there's nothing there to attack us with. And when they do, they deflect. They don't go through. Uh, how are you doing with the armour, by the way? I suppose I should have asked halfway through. Where do you feel? Uh, now, I've got another word that covers this kind of armour. It's character. Character. Who are you? You're at home here. You belong here. This is the place where you live. This is the family who will protect you and care for you. Character. And then there's the helmet of salvation. Because you see, quite often, especially those of us who have been to university, there'll be those who want to argue with you about the nature of the faith. They want to come up with all sorts of arguments about why this and why that and, and who's this and who's that and when was the world created and well, you know, was Adam married to his sister and all that sort of stuff. Um, they want to fight and argue. Well, the helmet of salvation says, I'm saved. It's all over. There's no way you can draw me back. I stand firm on the fact that I am saved by the living God. I am not part of this world. You can argue till the cows come home. You will not change me from who I am because I've given my life to Jesus Christ and the helmet of salvation covers me in every argument. I'm saved. And then the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, that which we're thinking about today. It becomes for us the truth with which we understand what's happening to us. And we think about whether this is right or whether this is wrong. And remember that a little while ago I read a text that said this, so what I'm hearing is not quite right. So I take out the sword and I say, I'm sorry, but what you're saying to me is not right. 
I have a weapon of defense and attack. I have a weapon that will keep me strong in the battle, but will also give me the opportunity to attack in return. And here's the last one, and this is, I think, probably, in my view, the most important one. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Remember last week I tried to suggest to you that it would be wonderful if our older folk were prepared to ring up one of the uh, leaders in the church and say, can I pray for you this year? Uh, I, I mentioned the girls' brigade. Well, let's broaden it. Let me talk about the leaders from boys' brigade. Let me talk about the leaders who are on the council. Let me talk about uh, the elders who do a lot of praying. Wouldn't it be wonderful if older folk in our church said to the, uh, to the others who are bearing the burden of leadership, can I pray for you personally this year? I'll give you a buzz every now and then and I'll find out what's going on and what I can pray for. Well, we've got the whole church built on the foundation of constant prayer so that we're bringing into the space not just the information of our world, but we're bringing into the space all the time the information of God's world. God's new society lives here because we're praying for each other. What kind of a church is that? I mean, we're told my, my church is supposed to be a, a house of prayer. Imagine the strength that would be a part of a church when the church began to do that and pray for one another because we would begin to understand that what's supposed to happen here is not what we human beings see as the possibility. What's supposed to happen here is what God sees as the possibility. We are here for God-type things. We are not here to explore and expose human ideas. We are here to listen to him. We're here to serve him. We're here to do the things that he has for us. And as we start thinking in this way, those which are the fruit of, of our experience spiritually put us right back into the place of this is the way forward. This is the way to go. Go in it. Be in mind, uh, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And if you see the rest of the chapter, he says, pray for me, pray for this person, pray for that person. The weapon, and it is a weapon, the weapon of choice for human beings is rough knees. The weapon of choice for human beings is to be down on their knees praying. I know most of us sit in a chair these days praying. If we as a church are able to put this in place, the strength that we would be able to offer Nick in searching for the future would be remarkable. Amen. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you've done it all. Again and again we remind ourselves that communion just exactly what you've done you live here you are alive here in this place you are here now by your spirit with us now 
You're listening to what I'm saying. You're applying it to people's hearts. You're correcting in people's minds where I've expressed it badly or I have said something that's not quite right. Father, go ahead and do that all the time. Work through us. Build through us. Allow the power of your spirit to flow through us. Allow us to be a church here where the things of the living God are primary and the rest of the world is very much secondary. Amen. <laughs>